Thank you, and once again, greetings to students and teachers of the Word of God. We've come a long way since our first lesson on theology that dealt with God the Father, and the subsequent series of lessons that dealt with Christology and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, pneumatology on the work of the Holy Spirit. We've been studying the doctrines now that deal directly with the Word of God itself in the previous broadcast, and uh, throughout this broadcast and our next broadcast, we'll be dealing with the Bible itself, bibliology, that is, knowledge of the Word of God. Now, as we've said before, the Bible does not contain the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. But when we say that, we mean something entirely different than the Christian universities and colleges mean when they say it. When the Christian universities and colleges say the Bible is the Word of God, they are making no reference to any Bible anybody's ever seen or handled or read. When they say people should read the Bible, they don't mean the Bible at all. They mean that people should read some translation which they recommend. And when we say the Bible does not contain the Word of God, that the Bible is the Word of God, we mean in this broadcast that the Bible is the Word of God, meaning the Bible we have here on the stand in front of these microphones. We are not making any reference to some mythological Bible or some original autograph that nobody ever found. The Bible does not tell us to preach the original autographs. It tells us to preach the Word. The Bible does not say the original manuscripts were inspired. The Bible says all scriptures give them inspiration of God. The doctrine that the original manuscripts, the original autographs, are the verbally plenary inspired word of God, and that end of the matter, is a heresy taught by every Christian university in, the, in America and every Christian college. And, of course, it's a blatant denial of the word of God, one of the ghastliest sectarian cultist teachings that ever cursed the body of Christ. Nowhere does the Bible ever say the original manuscripts were inspired, and does the Bible say the original autographs were inspired. This is a heresy found nowhere in any version of the Bible. The verse used to prove that only the original manuscripts were inspired is 2 Timothy 3.16, and 2 Timothy 3.16 is not a reference to the original manuscripts in any Bible ever printed. As a matter of fact, the term Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16 is mentioned in 2 Timothy 3.15, immediately preceding the verse. So you have to be careful these days. One must remember that the modern fundamentalist is an apostate fundamentalist and has gone into apostasy, and when the modern apostate fundamentalist says he believes the Bible is the Word of God, he is just lying openly and deliberately, and this can be proved in court. This is why I'm not a very popular speaker at Christian colleges, and you can well imagine why. Because the faculty members of the ten largest Christian universities and colleges in America are lying to their students 24 hours a day about the Bible because they have no Bible. When you pin these men down, you'll find they don't believe in the Bible at all. They believe in what they call reliable translations, their own crowd, and unreliable translations, somebody else's crowd. They have no Bible. Now, we believe the Bible is the Word of God in the present tense. They believe the Bible was the Word of God in the past tense, but they lie about the tense. This is why you find apostates such as A.T. Robertson, Macon, Warfield, Trench, Beans, Odiades, Weiss, and the rest of them, constantly correcting the King James Bible for its verb tenses. These men themselves will lie about the tense and say they believe the Bible is the Word of God, and what they meant is the Bible was the Word of God. Now, if the Bible were merely a human book, we could expect another very soon. So we have about one translation every five years taking its place, even by the people that profess to believe it. But the fact is it cannot be replaced, and the King James Bible has gone into 809 million copies, translated in 800 different languages, and has outsold any of the five combinations of Bibles combined, not counting the number of copies in the foreign languages. 
800 foreign languages with well over a million in each one of those languages. If the Bible were merely a human book, why is that man find it so far beyond his grasp the master and understand of the passage? Uh, I have an earned Ph.D., a doctor's degree, and I've been teaching Greek and Hebrew for 12 years. I don't profess for a minute to be able to handle many of the passages in the Song of Solomon or Zechariah, or many of the passages in Jeremiah, Isaiah, or Ezekiel. Why is this? I don't have any trouble with Hislop's two Babylons. I don't have any trouble with the scholarly works uh, by Briggs or by A.T. Robertson. I have no trouble mastering a little elemental fundamental stuff like Marx, Freud, Schopenhauer, Nietzsche, Carlyle, Hegel, Tufel, Drake, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Spinoza, uh, Leibniz. That's no problem. But when I get to the Bible, I find a problem. Now, the reason that men deny the inspiration of the Bible is the fact of sin and his attempt to minimize sin and its effects and final end. Uh, no prophetic utterance with any, any prophet's own will, and the prophets spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, and uh, you can interpret them privately. At this point, the apostate fundamentalists will pitch out 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 to 12, and 2 Peter 1, 21, and will try to tell you the verse should read as you find it in the RV. The RV, however, attacks the inspiration of the Word of God in 2 Peter 1, 21, 2 Samuel 23, 2, and Ephesians 3, 5, and is not to be relied upon. The apostate ASV of 1901, recommended by the faculty members at every Christian school in the country, denied the inspiration of all the Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16. So one must be very careful when dealing with these so-called reliable translations put out by apostate fundamentalists. These fellows belong to what they call the Alexandrian cult, and this cult extends from Origen and Eusebius and Augustine right up to the modern version of the Word of God. Uh, corrupt apostate versions such as the New American Standard Version, the International Version, their claim to authenticity and reliability is the fact that the men that wrote them profess to be saved and believe in the fundamentals. Uh, from the standpoint of scholarship and the standpoint of infallible truth, this means absolutely nothing. Uh, Pendergrass, the boss of Kansas City, professed to be saved believed in the fundamentals, and so did Bloody Mary, the Queen of England. Just because a man professed to believe the fundamentals, that doesn't mean anything uh, one way or another. The devil believes them and trembles. And one must never forget the so-called fundamentals put by out for the fundamentalists differ. Now, you people that raise on the fundamentalism of J. Frank Norris may not know it, but there's a vast gap between the fundamentalism of J. Frank Norris and the fundamentalism of Bob Jones University. And the gap is apparent if you look at the creeds of the two groups. If you find out what Bob uh, uh, Jones University and groups like it believe, you'll find what they call the fundamentals have nothing to do with eternal security or the local church or water baptism or premillennialism. That's uh, a far cry from the fundamentalism of J. Frank Norris and the fundamentalism of W. B. Riley. You'll find these things very thoroughly explained in the book on the history of fundamentalism by George Dollar, and where you will learn that the amillennial baby sprinklers got in and accepted as fundamentalists on the ground of their scholarship. And these were the people who recommended the ASV of 1901, one of the worst and most atrocious piece of garbage that ever cursed the Bible market, denying the deity of Christ in 1 Timothy 3.16, denying the inspiration of all Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16, denying the virgin birth in Luke 2.33, the bodily ascension in Luke 24.51-52, and blood redemption, Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. The Christian schools and universities recommended this apostate garbage so that they, the school, could set itself up as the final authority. For it goes without saying, without much uh, contradiction, 
that if a man recommends two authorities, he has reserved for himself the right to choose between them where they conflict. I'll say that again. Where any school or church sets up two authorities as reliable, he has reserved for himself the right to be the final authority where they conflict. And the reason why all Christian universities and colleges recommend two versions of the Bible is so when they conflict, as the ASB and the new ASB and the authorized version do in 31,000 places, the school can play God and set itself up to the final authority. This is what we call Christian education. Now, the writings of the apostles and prophets were the word of God, according to your modern schools, but are no longer the word of God. And yet they will stand up and say the Bible is the word of God and wave the King James Bible in the pulpit to keep their clientele and their social image and their income. However, when the apostate fundamentalist comes down off the platform, you'll find he believes nothing of the kind. For example, he believes that part of 1 John 5, 7, 8 shouldn't be there. Half of Romans 8, 1 shouldn't be there. The better manuscripts don't have Acts 8, 37 minimal, Acts 9, verse 5 and 6. You will find your amazement that when a college professor comes down out of a church pulpit after saying the Bible is the Word of God, that he is nothing but a dirty, two-faced, lying, four-flushing hypocrite. And that's putting it mildly. Now, the authority of the Bible. A few generations ago, the Bible was accepted as the authoritative Word of God. It is no longer accepted. It is a very sad fact that this condition is no longer true. Men today consider it smart or clever to challenge the authority of the Scriptures, and the leaders in this group are the conservative and fundamental teachers and the faculties of modern Christian schools. If you want to know who it was that taught the body of Christ to doubt the Word of God and question the Word of God and change the Word of God, it was the fundamentalist between 1900 and 1940. And at their head, of course, was Dr. A.T. Robertson, J. Russian Macon, uh, Dr. Benjamin Warfield, uh, Trench, uh, Davidson, and then the retinue, which included, of course, uh, Thayer and... Uh, and Barry and uh, Wiest and Zodiades and Driver and Kylich and Adelich and Kyle and Decinius and then the lesser lights such as Randall and Green and Schaff and Weigel and Trigellus, Tischendorf, Griesbach, Lockman, and the rest of the Alexandrian cult. Now, this cult movement is what they call recognized scholarship. It is the cult of recognized scholarship. In order to become a cult member, you must change one word in the King James Bible. You must say, unfortunately, the King James translated it thus and so. Or you must say, a better rendering would be. Or you must say, the King James is not very accurate here. A better translation should be. The requirement to get into the cult is to alter the King James Bible. Once you've altered it, you're what we call a recognized scholar. And until you do alter it, you are not recognized as part of the clique. Now, this Alexandrian cult of egotistical... Uh, monkeys who go clear back to origin all have one great characteristic in common. They all think they're smart to correct, smart enough to correct the Word of God, and nobody is smart enough to correct them. They're very careful about their languages. Their language, Paul says, by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple, because their God is their belly, according to Philippians chapter uh, 3 and Romans chapter 16. They're always very careful to talk about good godly men differed and many godly men thought, and many good men supposed, and many good godly dedicated men worked hours to restore the original text, and many men who differed were good godly. That's how you spot what they call the Alexandrian cult. It is the largest cult in America, 
outside of the groups that are obvious cults, uh, the groups that followed Pastor Russell and Judge Rutherford and Mary Ellen White and Mary Baker Patterson Eddy and Joe Smith, obviously those are cults. But the largest cult outside of those cults is the cult of Alexandrian scholarship, which controls the faculties of every major Christian college and university in America. We are living in a lawless age when men are rebelling against authority in every department of life, religious, political, intellectual, and the body of Christ has rebelled against the authority of the authorized version. Whenever you speak about these matters, some of the Christian celebrities will say, well, Pete Ruckman thinks he's right and everybody else is wrong, or Dr. Ruckman thinks that him and a few like him. That's slander. There are a few like me, there are millions like me. As a matter of fact, there always have been 30 times as many people that believe the King James Bible is the Word of God than there were that didn't. There is no few to it. What these dirty rascals mean is the members of the cult don't believe it. What they mean is if you took the Alexandrian cult, the heretics who followed the Sinaiticus and Vatican manuscript, but most of them didn't believe it. When you say only Pete Ruffman and a few people believe the King James Bible Word of God, Son, you cut off your head from your ears up. As a matter of fact, every soul that ever got saved in this country to the reading or teaching or preaching of the King James Bible believed it was the Word of God until somebody taught him otherwise. I wouldn't hazard a guess as to how many people that have lived since 1600 to believe the King James Bible was the Word of God, but if I was hazarding a guess, I would say 500 million would be a small estimate. 500 million in the last 300 years. Do you know how many scholars there were that didn't believe it? Well, certainly less than 50,000. So when somebody says, well, just a few people be like Pete Ruffin, they're just talking through their, their snozzle, brother. Better know what they're talking about. Now, what has happened is that man, and when I say man, I mean, say, born-again, goodly, godly, dedicated, soul-winning, premillennial, fundamental apostates, have set themselves up as superior judges of the Word of God and changed it according to the dictates of human reason. That is, they've done exactly what the liberals have done. The only place they're not liberals is they profess to believe five or six things the liberals don't profess to believe. But outside of that, you may as well face it. The new ASV has made more changes in the text from the authorized version than any liberal ever has made in any book I've ever read. I have never read a work by any liberal in print that made 35,000 changes in the Bible text. And I've read a lot of liberals. You'll find 35,000 changes in the new ASV. This means that the modern fundamentalist is a liberal in his approach, a liberal in his attitude, and a liberal where it comes to matters of authority. In matters of profession, of course, he's a fundamentalist. By creation or by depravity, man has a natural craving to usurp authority, and he has a natural craving to assert the authority of God. One must remember that uh, the first thing that Satan did was question what God said in Genesis 3, and before then he craved authority over God's throne in Isaiah 14, and said, I will ascend and put my throne above the stars of God. Then there's one issue that has existed long before the fundamentals ever showed up, and that was a matter of authority. And the next issue that showed up was what did the author or the authority say? People who think the issue today is new evangelicalism are making straw dummies and building play castles in the sand. 
these people, these fundamentalists, these silly fundamentalists who get together at big congresses and say, we take our bold stand for the verbal, full, plenary inspiration, they're not kidding anybody themselves but themselves, some jackass on the field about 30 feet away from the school. The issue today hasn't anything to do with the fundamentals. The issue with the fundamentals was fought out more than 20 years ago. The issue today is authority. Authority in the home, authority in the school, authority in the government, authority in the church, and authority in the universe. And the people who are still worrying about neo-evangelicals and neo-orthodoxy are 50 years behind the times and don't know what they're doing or where they're or how to get there. Furthermore, they're not very sound Bible students. When the great apostasy began among the fundamentalists in 1920 and 1930, they ran from the liberals and modernists, people like Briggs of, of uh, Rochester, and they ran from these people, and they decided that it was the King James text was indefensible, and they couldn't handle the material in it. So they ran to the so-called original manuscripts, for, which were unheard of, unseen, untouched, unread, unfelt, unpreached, and unavailable, and then hid like little bunny rabbits from the big bad liberals. That is, the cowardly retreat of the defenders, the defenders of the faith was the worst cowardly retreat since the Battle of Bull Run. And when you hear about these men who were supposedly great defenders of the faith, nine out of ten of them were nothing but chicken-hearted cowards. And when the King James Bible was attacked, they ran for their lives and tucked their tails between their legs. Now, many people today admire the Bible as a wonderful book, but refuse to submit to its authority. And this is why people who always attack the King James Bible always begin by bragging about it. If you want to find the perfect attitude toward the King James Bible, pick up a piece of paper or writing or tape by any apostate fundamentalist and watch him begin this way. The King James Bible, I prefer. That's the cliche. When you hear a man say that, I prefer it, he's a member of what they call the cult. He's a cult member. Cult members never accept the King James Bible because it is the Word of God. They accept it because they prefer it. And they prefer it because if they quit preaching and teaching it, they lose their income and their congregation. Now, I think you could figure that out. They'll say we prefer the King James Bible because of its well-known familiar phrases, its beautiful cadences, its poetic rhythm, and its beautiful Elizabethan English. That's the talk of a man who hates it and is not a submission to it and will correct it as quick as look at you. While well, the outstanding leaders of American fundamentalism in America today, who publishes a newspaper with a larger circulation in America, spent uh, 30 minutes eulogizing the King James Bible, and on an occasion turned to one of my friends and said to him, any man that would believe Revelation 22:14 as it's written in the King James Bible couldn't be a saved man. These men are their own gods. And maybe these Christian celebrities are their own authorities, may make gods out of their work, and they will not allow the Bible usurping their own place of authority, so they sit in judgment on it. The fact they're fundamentalists means absolutely nothing at all. I could care less if they were liberals. Even atheists will extol the Bible's literature, and even atheists will admit the Bible can outsell any five of its competitors. So what? Many Christians today acknowledge Jesus Christ as a supreme authority, but refuse to yield to the authority of the Scriptures. And this is a very hypocritical position. The outstanding case of this, of course, is the entire charismatic movement, which keeps talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus and the Holy Ghost, and yet they have no authority of the Bible, and the one that some of them have, they do not submit to. For example, 
There isn't a charismatic listening to my voice that doesn't read a baptism of the Holy Ghost into the tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, knowing perfectly well the word baptism doesn't occur anywhere in the chapter. You know what that is? That's perversion and rebellion against the authority of God Almighty. For example, there isn't a charismatic list in my voice or a full gospel hobbly-blobbly-glibbly-glubble that doesn't read unknown tongues back in Acts chapter 2. There are no unknown tongues in Acts chapter 2 from the first verse to the last verse. Now, these are the people that are talking about Jesus, sweet Jesus, and hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God, and let's just praise the Lord. They have no authority, and the authority God has placed before them, they have refused. And if you're an obedient child of God who loved the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're not going to follow, follow them 35 feet, let alone the first mile. The Christ whom we accept is our authority as the Christ of the Holy Scriptures, and in the Holy Scriptures that he wrote, preserved, are the ones that we use to determine what he is and who he is and what Christ we're talking about. Paul speaks about another spirit and another Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So if you don't have an absolute infallible authority to judge your Christ by, you might have any Christ. There are several running around these days. I know some of the reasons why we uh, believe the Bible is the Word of God. First of all, we believe the Bible is the Word of God because it has no copyright. The King James Bible is the only book in the world that has no copyright on it. Every other book has a copyright on it. You'll find it printed in the first three pages. The King James Bible is the only Bible that anybody can copy anytime, anyplace, anywhere without, anywhere without anybody's permission. It has no copyright. You may alibi to your red, white, and blue in the face, but there isn't one version of the Scriptures in the market today that isn't copyrighted. Somebody would say it's to protect the, oh, don't kid us, you're in the bookselling business. I've written 17 books, don't kid me, go kid yourself. Go kid your grandmother, son, don't waste my time. There's only one book in the world that has no copyright, that's the King James 1611 Bible. There's only one book that was ever translated under the authority of a king, and that's a King James 1611 authorized version, and the Bible said where the word of a king is, there is power. Why would you take some silly translation like a new ASV translated in a democracy? Don't you know God's form of government is a theocracy? Didn't you know that? Didn't you know his form of government was a monarchy? I guess you knew that, didn't you? I guess you knew the word James, Jacobu, is the word for Jacob. I suppose you knew that, didn't you? The first man that showed up on the throne with a Jewish name was when God turned out that translation because the oracles of God were given to the Jew. They weren't given to the Lockman Foundation or Bob Jones University. Who are you trying to kid, your Aunt Sally? We believe the Bible is the Word of God because nobody's ever found a proven error in it. Here at the Pensacola Bible Institute, we teach young men the 400 supposed contradictions found in the King James Bible that are taught by the Christian universities and colleges and equip that young man to answer every one of them without reference to Greek or Hebrew. There isn't one so-called mistake in the King James Bible that can't be answered by a man with a high school education. If you don't believe it, you put some of our graduates on the spot sometime and see what you get into. Honey, you'll get into a hornet's nest. We teach them about Bible, the Word of God, and the scholarship corrects that Word of God, then you'll take a flying bite at Venus. Our sentiments are the sentiments of Billy Sunday, who said, when the Bible says one thing and the scholarship says another, scholarship can go plunder the devil. And that's our feeling on it exactly. Now, the reasons given by 
various people for not believing the Bible, the Word of God, are the follows. Some of them think the Bible and science disagree. Now, it is true that many unproven, unscientific theories disagree with the Bible, but it cannot be shown once where true, proven science and the Bible disagree. Now, if you think it can, then you're kind of archaic and medieval, because more than 20 years ago, the Bible was taken to court and tried in New York with James Bennett as the lawyer for the defense by some atheists, and Harry Rimmer, who set up the Christian Research Foundation, has a standing offer of $1,000 to anybody who can go to court and find or prove one scientific error in the Word of God. He was taken to court on eight counts, and the plaintiff was thrown out eight times. Now, you always hear about the Scopes Monkey Trial in Dayton, Tennessee, because in that one, Darrow is made to look like a hero, and William Jennings Bryan is made to look like a fool. But you don't hear much about that King James Bible tried in New York, now do you? No, you sure don't. Now, if some of you people want to collect $1,000, you contact that foundation set up by the late Harry Lemon and see if you can collect you some money. You'd be amazed how hard it is when you get in court and have to prove what you're saying. Some people think the Bible and geology disagree. However, geologist Goyard affirms the true geology and the Bible agree perfectly. Some people think the Bible and general science disagree. However, the late Sir G.G. G. Stokes, president of the Royal Society, finally refutes this, and we have out in California an association of more, six, more than 600 men that hold master's degrees and PhDs who don't accept evolution for five minutes. The common teaching everybody believes in evolution is an established fact. is just, uh, just a Roman communist socialistic propaganda. There are more than 600 men in America who hold doctor's degrees, earn doctorates, and earn master's degrees, who believe in the theology and the geology and the, ast the astronomy and the ethnology of Genesis 1 to 10. Some people think the Bible and chemistry disagree. Chemist Radar, a great American chemist, refutes the error too. He says they're in perfect agreement. Some think the Bible and geography disagree. Dr. Christie, an eminent geographer, declares there's not one geographical error found anywhere in the Bible. Some think the church is the final authority and not the Bible. But the church annotates the New Testament, but the Old Testament, the infallible Word of God, is much older and much more accurate than the church. As a matter of fact, when you hear these people talk about the church giving you the Bible, bringing you the Bible, they're just full of horse feathers up to their ears. Three quarters of the Bible was written and preserved before Jesus Christ showed up on this earth to found the church. When Christ said, oh, I'll build my church, in Matthew chapter 16, three quarters of the Bible had already been there for nearly 2,000 years. The church annotates any Bible or any school. Don't let any school tell you from a minute they're the final authority. They certainly are not. Don't let their faculty members tell you they're the final authority. They certainly are not. Above all, they want to make you think that some Greek or Hebrew election is the final authority when it's not. The Bible is the supreme book, for it far excels all of the books ever written, and it is in a class entirely by itself. It has been the one book that men turn to in the hour of tragedy and death, and there's nothing in the Koran or the Shastas or the God Gehita or the Book of the Dead or the Purana or the Tripitaka or the Analects Confucius that is equally attractive to boys and girls three, four, five, and six years old and Ph.D. 65 and 70. The Bible has a universal application that no other religious book or set of so-called scriptures has anywhere in the world. It is supreme for it has the answer to questions of life and death, and that is why no Mohammedan or Buddhist or Taoist or Confucius knows for sure where he's going when he dies. He's got the wrong book. It is the oldest book, 
And the book of Job, written many, many years before the book of the dead, the true book, is the first real book written. Its influence upon nations and men is beyond computation. One may safely say that everything Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, Anaximander, Anaximedes, and Parmedes, and Pythagoras, Luke, they got from the wisdom books of the Old Testament. The Bible is a pure book, unmixed with myth and wild imaginings. It is the Word of God. And on this broadcast, when you hear us say, It is the Word of God, we are talking about a book we have in our hand that we are reading and that we can recommend for you. On our next broadcast, we'll talk about the credibility of the Holy Scriptures and something about some of its contradictions. Until then, may the Lord bless you and good day.